All right, shalom. Welcome everyone to the midnight Torah study for Parsha Echev. So, how you doing, Chasis? Good. How are you today? I am doing well. I will begin with the opening bracha, and the timer is set for one hour. So here we go. Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Bakarbanu Mikol HaMim, Venatan Lanu Et Torato, Baruch Atah Adonai, Noten HaTorah, Amen. Amen. Parsha Ekev. So, would you like to start with some insights? Yes. What he asks of us. Find it real quick. All right. It says at verse chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God demand of you? Only this, to revere the Lord your God, to walk only in his path, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And then in verse 13, Keeping the Lord's commandments and laws, which I enjoin you upon you today. And so it's like this, this five-step process uh, in, in order of importance. There's fear, fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways. Number two, number three, to love him. Number four, with all your, all your being. And number five, to keep his commandments. Mm. And so it just... Puts uh, this priority on on fearing Hashem and, and emulating Him, loving Him, and uh, with what it puts that for the the source for to to commandments. It it puts that for the source. Yeah, it's like the very heart of of following and observing His commandments. It has to be precedent by those four things. Ooh, I like that. So if I could tag in with you, I'm in the Kehot Humash on uh, chapter 10, same same verse. It's talking about how um, basically saying that the fear of Hashem being like, let me just, okay, so it says the fear of God refers to a palpable awareness of his presence. So fear in this context is simply the fear that God would see you doing something that you would be embarrassed or ashamed to have him see you do. And so it goes into saying for Moshe, this was a small matter. So like basically having this fear of Hashem like, this was not a big deal for Moshe. This was very small. So, it's kind of like, for Moshe, that's how it is. But for us, it's like, that's like, if you go back to these these steps that you're talking about, like the core of fearing Hashem and keeping the mitzvot, that seems like a very big challenge for us. But it's not a challenge for Moshe. 
And I like how this really sets up a precedent for Mashiach Yeshua and the way that he leads us in the mitzvot. Because it goes into saying that every Jew contains within him a spark of the soul of Moshe. And it says that Moshe was the shepherd of the Jewish flock. He, he says that Moshe is the shepherd and then calls the Jewish nation a flock. And then it says that we are charged by God with the task of conveying the Torah that Moshe received indirectly. Or Slika, that Moshe received directly from Hashem. And so when you kind of look at that, you know, you kind of think of the general statements that are sometimes made that, oh, yes, Yeshua kept all the mitzvot and he taught us, you know, to, to serve Hashem and love and things like that. And, you know, he did it, but we can't. You know, and it's just like, wait, why, why would that be the case? Because Hashem wouldn't really give us mitzvot if we couldn't keep them. And second of all, if we're following Mashiach by default, we would walk in the same pattern, the same footsteps. And so we actually do have the opportunity and the ability to attain fearing Hashem for it to be not so great of a challenge as we would seem in our mind. And so if you kind of look at this precedent here, we're looking at this godly spark that Hashem has placed within our hearts. So out of the fear that we have of Hashem, it's really the the empowering, the empowerment and the ability given to us by our faithful shepherd. So just kind of thinking along those lines, I just like seeing how fearing Hashem and really walking through these steps of truly getting down to the core of why we follow the mitzvot being such a beautiful thing. That's an awesome, that's awesome insight. Uh, this, uh, this verse also reminds me of uh, Micah 6. Yes. He has shown you, a man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God? And it's, it's interesting. It's, so it's, it's like, well, which one is it? These, these five things, to, to fear him, to walk in his ways, love him with, with all your being, do all the commandments? Or is it just to, uh, to act uh, justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before God? Mm. And... I think what it comes down to is Micah is not necessarily uh, contradicting Moshe, Shalom. He's pointing to to an, uh, a character refinement that the generation needs. Because if you go above it, it says in verse 7, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my disobedience, the fruit of my body, the sin of my soul. Mm. And so he's, he's, he's harping on it like this internal issue. And, and this is something that uh, Rabbi Chaim Lozado, the Ramkal, highlights in his uh, Path of the, the Upright Mishlech Yesharim uh, book. He says, the way to... All right, uh, I will be attempting to 
reconnect with Hasis in just a moment. But um, in the meantime, uh, we're looking at uh, some Musar, basically, with the ROM call. So stand by here. I'm going to see if I can get him on. All right. There we go. It's almost like some elevator music. Please enjoy this music while your party waits kind of thing. All right, you there? Shalom alaikum. Alaikum shalom. <laughs> yep. Uh, where we leave off? You were introducing the rum call. Oh, okay. Okay, so, and this is something that Rabbi Chaim Zano points out in Mishlat Yasserim, that we have this tendency as human beings, we want to show this act of piety and service to, to God or to make up for some mistake we did to draw these long, long prayers, these lengthy confessions, or recite a lot of psalms. And we have this idea that, that piety is doing this, or afflicting ourselves, um, going through some kind of suffering. But really what he requires of us is just to refine our character, like, like Micah says, to love justice, walk humbly before him. Mm. Uh, it's really about this character refinement. And, you know, Micah really highlights that, like, in his, uh, like, will he be satisfied, in a sense, by all these offerings? And so, like, what are we really trying to do? Are we, it's like, when we, when we find ourselves geared towards that, that direction, it's, it's almost like we're trying to bribe God. And what he really desires from us is not sacrifice. It's just for us to refine our character. Wow. And I think this might be uh, possibly an insight into what Mashiach Yeshua says when he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Correct. It's the idea of don't just try to try to go around bribe me by doing all these mechanical rote things. Like what I desire for you is is a complete heart change. I want you to refine your character. I want you to constantly work on your foundations. And like like we said earlier, like doing the commandments, it's preceded by four things. It's preceded by fear of Hashem. It's preceded by walking in His ways, loving Him with everything you have, those four things. And if it's not preceded by those four things, then you're missing the spirit of the law. And you're going to eventually find yourself off the derrick. Man, that is so true. And, you know, when you really look at this verse... It really has a lot in it, uh, namely the fact, too, if you think about when it says, and what does Hashem, your God, ask of you? And, and the, the sages point out the word for what is ma. And they, they say that ma is actually mea, like mem aleph hey. And that word actually means 100 which alludes to the hundred blessings that make up the daily order of our prayers. And it says, by regularly blessing God throughout the day and praying to him for all the different specifics, it literally gets down to specifics. Because you think about if you really focus on and strive, pressing towards, quote unquote, the high mark, you know, of our upward calling in Mashiach, that if you're striving to make a hundred brakot, you know, that's going to bring you into some specific things, you know, like 
you move from like this general category of Hashem, thank you for my day to like, thank you for this cup of water, you know, and you say a bracha before and after, you know. And so when you really put that in there together and it, that really does encapsulate because there's not a really a way for you to uh, to do that without meaning, without uh, without not having a meaning behind it, basically. You know, because if you really yeah. are thankful to Hashem and if you're really trying to um, connect with him, because that's what a mitzvah is. It's a connection based off the word Zav, which means to connect. And so when you're really connecting with Hashem, you're not going to superficially do that. You know, when you really get down to specifics. So I really like how that's one of many examples of the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law and really having mercy as opposed to just making sure we do sacrifices. I agree. And and you you mentioned the idea of the hundred blessings. And it reminded me of uh, the the term you used that I really enjoyed, the distinguished gentleman, Joel. (laughs) I said we should be constantly in a state of prayer. Yes. Oh. And I feel like I feel like it, it's hard if, if, if you if you're not living like a Jewish lifestyle. There's no day, no no way you're gonna truly understand that when you live a Jewish lifestyle. When you're saying the blessing, when you're saying you know the the Shmoni Ezrei three times a day and Berachah Hazan or the or just the little blessings like before and after you eat, like you really are you know in a constant state of prayer. It's like you're keeping a Shem in the forefront of your mind and you're acknowledging him. And the little things and the big things and in a constant manner. Wow. And what's interesting is if we, we scroll down a little further in verse 17 and 19, we actually have where we get a source from one of the blessings and the Shemoni Ezra. Oh. For the Lord your God is God supreme and Lord supreme, the great, the mighty, and awesome God who shows no favor and takes no bribe, but upholds the cause of the fatherless and the widow and befriends the stranger, providing him with food and clothing. You too must befriend the stranger, for you are strangers' land of Mitzrayim. If you look at, like, the towards the beginning, it says, Ha'el ha'gadol ha'gibor ve'anora. El Yes, yeah. And so you have this idea in, the, in, in verse 18, it says, The great, the mighty, and the awesome God. Wow. And this is what's included in our daily prayers. And it goes on to say, Because Moshe use these descriptions, we, we incorporate it into our blessings. And so it's like, Rabbi, teach us how to pray. Oh, wow. Moshe Rabbeinu, teach us how to pray. Oh, my God. Yes, Moshe Rabbeinu, teach us how to pray. And he did. <laughs> wow. And so a lot of, lot of our blessings that come here directly from the Torah, directly from Moshe, said because it's like if, if we were to ask anything outside of that, it's like we would say the blessings of a shim are complete and you know in a sense we're limiting god so it like because all say of course if your intention isn't, isn't to limit him is to, to to praise him from your own heart and connect with him uh, that's a different story but uh to think that you could we could add on to his praise and limit him is a is a bad frame of mind to be in so you have the talmudim asking you know yeshua teach us how to pray yes so i would like to say that i agree with that And that if you look at the context of this section that we're talking about, 
Verse 16 is very interesting as well because it's talking about having a circumcised heart. Yeah. And the precedent to making sure that we don't limit to Shem and that we don't uh, overlook, you know, his attributes and things like that. It starts with our heart, you know, being circumcised. And the Kehotumash points out in the interpolated that the circumcision of the heart is about ceasing to be callous in the face of his love. And you would think, okay, so what's so big deal about, you know, circumcised heart? Because, you know, we, we look at how Mashiach Yeshua has given us a circumcision that's done without the hands of a human. Because the heart is... You know, only Hashem can circumcise our hearts to really cause us to be, um, what is it, uh, predispositioned, so to speak, to serving Him with love and like not putting our own filter on His word, and like walking, walking in these these ways of submitting ourselves to Hashem and exalting Him and glorifying Him, you know, that's that's the only way that that can happen. So, I mean, again, like not bribing Hashem because the only way we would think that anything that we're doing is quote-unquote working for our salvation, that by default would be us being not... Uh, loving Hashem, but having our own goal, having our own motive behind anything that we do. And, you know, just a few different uh, sources and and, uh, articles that I've read on this week's Torah portion was basically talking about how we have to allow our own, you know, self-fulfilling gratitude to really fall by the wayside and to dissolve in the presence of Hashem, like liken to a person who was stuck in an ice cube and to throw that ice into the fire and just let that melt away. Because when we're walking with Hashem, we basically, we're not losing ourselves, so to speak. We're actually finding ourselves, and And that's the beauty of when we truly fear Hashem, when we truly walk in His ways, when we truly give Him every ounce of who we are, it's like, now you're actually finding yourself. You're not losing anything. When you were talking about the whole idea of, like the idea of like circumcising your heart, uh, it, it pulled forth the imagery of, you know, what is the Torah? It says the Torah is our very life. Yes. And that's before, at the very beginning, letter of the Torah is the babe. The end is a and so that's like them, this heart. Oh, nice. And we just came from the portion endeavoring for two, endeavoring for two, where it's talking about do not add to what I command you to do, do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord, your God, that I give you. It's this idea that we should refine ourselves, and we find if we find our hearts are adding in certain things that are not based, that are not found in the Torah. Or if we find our hearts taking away things that are written in the Torah, we nearly need to work on like circumcising our hearts so that it matches the Torah of Hashem. Yes. This whole idea of uh, 
really removing the thickening, removing the circum like circumcise your hearts. It's like this huge. It's like this huge step in order service to Hashem, and it, it actually proceeds where it talks about for the Lord your God is God supreme, and then it goes on talking about He takes no bribe, and then uh, how He upholds the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He befriends the stranger, and then it goes in talking about how we must befriend the stranger because we were strangers. Yes. And so it, it kind of puts forth this idea that if, if we refuse to circumcise our hearts, if we refuse to keep our hearts in line, part of the Torah, it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, for us to, to, to really see God as God supreme, to truly fear Him, to truly uphold His, his case, to truly defend the widow. All right. Well, having more connection uh, issues here. Let me see if I can reconnect. Really getting down to the heart of God and and talking about the widow and the orphan, the proselyte, um, because we ourselves were, were proselytes. You know, Sleeka, uh, we were we ourselves were strangers in uh, Eretz Mitzrayim. So, doing the elevator music again. <laughs> All right, lost you again, but got you back. <laughs> yeah. All right, thank you. <laughs> yep, you were in the middle of talking about the the stranger and the uh, the orphan and the widow. Okay, yeah. So we we just talked about in verse sixteen, it talks about circumcising our hearts, and then in seventeen and nineteen, it goes in and talks about how God is the supreme God, how He takes up the case of the widow and the orphan, and how. We are to emulate him, and we are to befriend the stranger. Yes. And what's interesting is these these two verses are juxtaposed next to one another, and it almost seems as if the circumcising of our hearts is a prerequisite into the next verse. It's a prerequisite in order to see Hashem as the supreme God, in order to fear Him. It's a prerequisite in order to like emulate him and taking up the case of the, the fatherless and the widow, it's a prerequisite and in order to really befriend the, the stranger. So it's 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 almost like um, like you're just seeing these these patterns of, of what uh, you have to do in order to achieve a closer relationship with the ship. And if you don't circumcise your heart, all these things are gonna be difficult, if not impossible, for us to accomplish. Wow. Yeah, I was listening to, um, there's a, a contemporary rabbi named uh, Rabbi Wolby, and uh, shouts out to the Rambot <laughs> uh, on sharing that with us, because um, I, I love just kind of checking into his podcast every week, and this week he really goes into how the orphan, the widow, you know, being uh having like basically chesed you know the heart of Hashem to the stranger you know and, and thinking about how we were strangers in Mitzrayim and how that felt you know he was saying that if you really think about that God is desiring those who seem like throwaways those who seem like less fortunate ones those who seem lowly you know and in, in their hearts or in their status you know, and it's like when you think about a person who has been left without parents, you know, i.e. an orphan, you know, how vulnerable must that person feel 
Or if a woman is an is a widow, like she has no provider, no protector, like she used to have, you know, and her husband kind of thing. And it's like Hashem's heart is just so sensitive and so gentle and tender towards those people. And Hashem is like, you are my children. You know, you, when you were in idolatry, when you were stuck in your slavery and your bondage, you were as if you had, you know, no husband. You were as if you had no parents. You were just left vulnerable on your own and like this place of confinement and destruction, sadness, darkness, you know, and he's just like, I brought you to myself. You know, I want you to do that same thing to others. So it's just like, I get this, this whole picture with fearing Hashem and loving him and walking in his ways and having a circumcised heart is just like, there is no room for us at any time to have ego to have this entitlement, you know, and I think that's absolutely beautiful that with this week's Torah portion being called a Kev, which literally means the heel, like the heel of a foot, like the lowest part. Hashem is like, I want you to to dwell there. That's where I want you to be. I want you to have a lowly view and opinion of yourself to where you prefer others first of all, over yourself, that you are sensitive to those who are vulnerable, you know, that you don't lord your your status or your your character over anyone, you know. So I, I think that's like absolutely incredible to be a part of Hashem's household and to have the opportunity to bring Torah to the world, to bring the covenant to the nations, you know, like to those who are willing to hear the voice of Hashem and join themselves to him. You know, Hashem loves that. He he desires that. I, I love the, the fact that you highlighted, highlighted the, uh, the the idea of like taking up the case of like the, the fatherless and the widow. You connected it with the idea of uh, like redeeming people, going forth and bringing them out. I, I, I think there's a reason why these, these two verses are next to each other. The whole, the whole idea of but upholds the cause of the fatherless and the widow. And then it goes into talking about you were strangers in the land of Mitzrayim, in the land of Egypt. It just makes me think that, that that's exactly what happened in Mitzrayim. When we were in bondage, when we were in slavery. Because you think about it, uh, you know, Pharaoh issued the decree of all the, the baby boys would be killed. Yes. And so what happened is the husbands and the wives separated. And so all the wives at that point were widowed. Wow. In a sense, I mean, I, technically their husband wasn't quite passed away, but they left them. So in a sense, they were like, they were as if they were widows. We were as if we were widows. And then also the, the babies, they, they would sometimes, you look at the Ridashin, they would sometimes hide them in the field. Well, that baby, in a sense, was as if it was an orphan. That's true. And what and happened? So, Hashem upheld his case. He upheld the case of the widow and the orphan. He, he brought us out and re he restored us to our family. Mm. And I feel like that's that's a picture of the exile we're in now. And even though we may feel like a, abandoned and separate from Hashem, we're not, we're not truly widows. We're not, we're not truly orphans. He is our, our groom. He is our, our uh, father. 
Yes. And he's coming to redeem us out of this captivity. Amen. Oh, may it be soon. <laughs> Amen. I love the fact that you talk about this is like a kev, like like heel, right? Yes. Because in making ourselves a heel, it's like this lowest part, this idea of just like walking humbly before your God, you know, em- emulating his ways. But it's the heel truly crushes the head of the serpent. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's beautiful. Broke Sam, you know, like, like, you think about this picture, and this is the picture you were, like, grading for me as you're talking about this idea of the heel and just parallel it with all these things. Like, when we really, truly emulate his ship's ways, when we walk humbly before him, like, we're literally making ourselves, like, the lowest part of the body, the, the very heel. Wow. But you go back to the promise, and Rashid, it's talking about the, the heel is actually what crushes the head of the serpent and we do that by walking humbly before god because we're walking humbly then we can't our pride can't stir us to anger or depression and the yetzahara the the satan curse be he like nothing can stand in our way wow and if you think about having pride pride comes before the fall so by default you would not be able to stand You would not be able to walk. You would not be able to crush the head, you know, and you make yourself actually more vulnerable to the serpent, you know, if you're on the ground. So and, you know, that kind of makes me think uh, last week um, in Parsha Va'etkanan, there was the daily wisdom. The focus on Shabbat was from Devarim 7-7 that says, for you are the least of all peoples. And in that commentary, it says the Jewish people have almost always been a small minority. And so not only thinking in and of ourselves being very small, being like the heel of the foot, just us as a nation, we're considered to be the heel, you know, as far as like we're a small minority. And it's just like compared to the whole population of the entire world. And so it goes into basically saying that there's this process with atomic power called nuclear fission. And it says this is when a atom, when an atom is broken down into smaller components. And as Jews, this teaches us that the key to releasing Our latent infinite potential is by breaking our egos, thereby allowing our inner divine essence to shine through. The better we master this spiritual technology, the less we need to be intimidated by being apparently insignificant, minority, or by having limited time and energy to devote to holy endeavors. And so what I was kind of looking at that, if if we ourselves think that we're lowering ourselves, we're humbling ourselves, we're fearing Hashem, we're losing our lives for His sake, you know, we're pressing towards this high mark, that's where this incredible power lies, is that the, the intricacies of the mitzvot with fearing Hashem, like we're doing like this nuclear fission process which creates a very, basically a big bomb, you know? And Hashem's like, I don't need you to take the bazooka. I don't need you to take the tank or the cannon, you know? 
I need you to take these little parts and I need you to break them up into a bunch of small little atoms. And this is going to be a nuclear fission process. And through all of this, making ourselves small, you know, really getting down to the core of the mitzvot, the heart of service to Hashem, that's more powerful than we could ever know. And, and that really happens. The breakdown process of making making ourselves small is when we uh, when we basically nullify our egos. The process is called bitul, and it's just kind of like the the concept of Torah is for us ultimately to be thankful to Hashem. Like this is the will of Hashem for us and Mashiach is to be thankful. You know, the distinguished gentleman Shaul wrote about that. And if you think about what it really takes, you know, to love Hashem, you have to you have to get rid of your own your own aspirations and, and take up on yourself his heart, his aspirations, because it's man, you know, if we seek first the kingdom of Hashemaim and its righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. Mashiach tells us this. He teaches us that. And I, I, I love, I love the imagery you put down of the breaking of the ego, and pursuing a shim. It seems like just this section within this this parsha is just like this. It's like the step by step process. How do we go about serving? Him? A lot of times, a lot of us get cut up the view time, the viewpoint that all the mitzvot are. Oh, we have to do them, or they're they're a burden. He doesn't need our mitzvot. He doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't affect him whether we're more or less observant and and our, our dedication to him. They're there to, to bless our lives. When we do them, we're following his guidebook, his little design. It's like he gave us the secret to to work within this this world. Wow. And when we follow them, we're going to be blessed. It's extremely amazing because he doesn't just allow us to be blessed by doing them. But we also get a reward. Oh, you're fading out a little bit. Can you repeat that? Are you there? As as the uh oh, <laughs> man! I tell you what, you know, technology is is something else. But uh, we'll keep going here. Let me try to reconnect. <laughs> okay, let's see how you're sounding now. Okay. There. Oh, yeah. that's that is way clear. Okay, because you were like. Cutting yeah, out. I think it was fading out a little bit. So. Yep, yep. But it's just, just the concept of uh, really the, the mitzvahs are Shim's like insight in how to live a happy life, like a father would guide his children. And, right. you know, we're not only rewarded in this world by doing them, we're rewarded in the next world, you know, because we did them. And That's right. As opposed to sin, coin the, coin the phrase, or uh, someone's probably said it before me. <laughs> but the, the physics, it's just the physics of sin. And it's not necessarily that Hashem's standing up there and he's punishing us. It's the fact that, like, he's created a design with how this world works. And if we interfere with that design by transgressing will, by transgressing one of his commandments, it's like uh, creating, like, a virus in a computer. Ooh. Something's bound to go wrong because of it. Wow. It's not necessarily that he's just up there punishing us because we did wrong. It's that we broke his rules, and it's just the physics of sin. And he's so good because he limits the punishment just to uh, just to what comes comes from that. 
Like we, we get the immediate suffering in this world. Why? Because we broke the code. We suffer the consequences. Yes. And it's just, it's just the physics of sin. It's, it's interesting going down uh, just in this chapter, chapter 10 of our... All right, you're cutting out again. You're cutting out again. All right, I'm going to try to... Yeah, let's see if we can try to reconnect real quick. All right, stand by. Thank everyone for your patience. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, this is what it sounds like on Anchor when you're co-hosting on a podcast. It plays this music until the other person joins in, so... Think he might be in a low signal area. Okay, so in the meantime, I'm gonna wait until he's better uh, in a reception. So Looking at Akev, we have this idea, again, of the lowering of yourself. And he's messaging me here. Okay. All right. So, in the Kehert Humash again, the Kehot Humash, Hasidic Insights. Oh, he said, we're going to try now. Okay. So, stand by. Man. You know, the violent take it by force, so we'll keep trying. Are you there? Yep, can you hear me? I can hear you pretty good now. So, uh, I was just letting everyone know on the podcast that, you know, the violent take it by force. So, if we have to keep restarting this thing, we're going to do it. (laughs) We're going to do it, exactly. But you were getting ready to transition down a little bit uh, in Chapter 10, so... Chapter 10, verse 20, okay. and it says, You must revere the Lord your God, only him you shall worship. To him shall you cleave, and by his name shall you swear. Wow. And Mamlo's comments says, verse 20 follows immediately after 19, which was talking about befriending the stranger. Mm. For we were strangers in Mitzrayim. So it says it follows after this to teach us that just as a convert who was formerly an idol worshiper, can come close to Hashem and be said to cleave unto him. So too, B'nai Israel, despite their sins, can expect to cleave again to God if they sincerely repent. Wow. And I I just think it's interesting how he has it preceded uh, by the convert. Yes. It's like the convert is like this, how he has it phrased, the convert is like this inspiration for the rest of the nation to repent. That's it. I mean, it's a beautiful example, you know, of forsaking yourself. Yes, yes. And even if you go back, uh, even to the verse, it talks about, you know, we too were strangers in the land of Egypt. Yes. So the idea of strangers is this idea of being almost estranged from Hashem 
and we know that we were all idol worshippers in Mitzrayim. Yep. So it's the idea of, hey, you were a convert too. <laughs> like, don't don't Man. forget that. Wow. Don't forget where you come from. Don't forget you come from Abraham. And really what's important is you have that desire in your heart to follow me. Like, we talks about the first thing was to fear Hashem. Yes. Well, this is what Abraham was known for. Uh, he was It was one of his many outstanding virtues. Ooh. It was singled out by by his fear of heaven. It says in Rashid 22.12, Now I know that you are a God-fearing man. Wow. And so, and, and saying, what does your Lord, your God, command you but to fear him? It says, hey, emulate your father, Abraham. That's also, it also goes into talking about remembering being kind to the, the strangers and the converts. I think it all ties into that first, that first concept, fear the Lord, like Abraham. Man. Because, you know, it says emulate his ways like your father, but it's also reminding you, hey, you come from a convert. Wow. You know, don't be so arrogant to forget your root. Don't be so arrogant to forget where you come from. Come on. You know, but, you know, it's like this transition. And so you transition from this place of separation and estrangement from God, this widow and orphan will to be, again, reunited with his family, um, with the family of Hashem and within in his covenant. And that requires following a certain, the certain rules within the family, you know, the Torah. That's right. If you want but to be a part of the household, you know, you got to keep the household rules. Definitely. <laughs> um, but with that, you know, it comes this abundant blessing that you could bless that you're blessed by, and it's like this light that extends to all who know you. I was reading some, uh, I was reading a commentary, and I was talking about how we, as 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 Israel, as uh, uh, the Jewish nation, we're like we're like, um, yeah, and and the nations are like water. Ooh. And if we intermingle with the nations, the water puts out our fire. They snuff us out. Wow. However. If we, if we stand separated from the nations as a light, like a fire brings light, as a light to the nations, what ends up happening is, you know, the, the fire, the water becomes evaporated by the fire. Mm. And so we change the very nature of, of the nation. We take them from a, like a, a very solid physical state to almost a, like a, like a gaseous, like spiritual state, if you will. Yes. So we can't separate and elevate the nation. There's something more than what they were before. Wow. Just a, just I, I thought that was a very powerful imagery and just to remind us of our mission that, that even though we are to be a light to the nations, it doesn't mean we intermingle with them, we adopt their customs, cross shalom, because that means we get put out. We need to stand as a light upon a hill, as Mashiach said. That way we can elevate the physical physicality around us. Like you, like you said, uh, you know, like we make a hundred brackets a day. What are we doing? We're taking. We're, we're taking. <laughs> uh, you're cutting out again. Okay, I'm gonna disconnect and reconnect and see if that'll help. Okay, a hundred brackets a day. Think about what we're doing. Um, elevating the nations, like fire over water, making it evaporate to become something. Gaseous. So if you kind of look at what Hasis was alluding to, 
that's really a bear sheet one and in bear sheet one we have this idea of the ruach hakodesh hovering over the waters and how the commentary like rashi ramban talk about this is the spirit of mashiach and the throne of hashem and you know that's the fire of Israel because we ourselves are inside of the devouring fire of Hashem and so we're like the spirit of Hashem hovering over the waters and we're elevating people so <laughs> he says he's currently in the backwoods so that's why his connection is going in and out but Baruch Hashem so um, but if you look at Bereshit, after we see about the spirit hovering over the water, you know, looking at that, it said, God said, let there be light and there was light. And so from the Ruach hovering over the waters, there was this light. And then Chassis beautifully said this, you know, Mashiach says that we are to be like a city that is built upon a hill you know, the city of light, you know, and how we're to let our light shine before men that they may see our deeds. And, and this is the concept of what we're doing as we bring in the nations. So being a Lapid, having the fire of Mashiach is something that's absolutely necessary and vital to our mission. So, um, all right, so we're going to just uh, keep pushing through here. So I want to take us into uh, Philippians 3 because in that chapter of Philippians and the writings in the Brit Hadashah, that's where we get the pressing towards the high mark, you know, and okay, he's ready now. Here we go. <laughs> he says he has full bars. Let's see. So. Pressing towards the high mark is a kev by aiming small with the mitzvot. We miss small, as Rabbi Griffin would say. All right, Chassiz, you there? Yeah, shalom lekem. Alekum shalom. Welcome back. So you right. were talking about elevating the nations and what that looks like as fire meets water. Yes, yes. And just, just that we need to remain our 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 distinct entity and, and separate from the nations be a light upon the hill so that we elevate them into into a more spiritual state of, of matter, if you will. And nice. So just to update you, I went into Bereshit chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, because you have the same picture where it's the Ruach of Hashem, which would be like the Torah, Mashiach, and the throne of Hashem. And when that hovered over the waters, that brought that light. And so, as we are, Yisrael being the fire going out to the water, and that water evaporates, that's like the gaseous element is like air, you know, ruach. And so, that's where the light comes. That's incredible. <laughs> so, continue on. Wow. Just, just talk and connect that to the, the bracha statement that you made. Like, when we say bracha, we're taking, we're taking the physical object and we're acknowledging Hashem. Wow. You know, it's something we cannot even fathom. So we're, we're taking this physical element and we're elevating it to uh, a spiritual state. Wow. Uh, we go into the end of chapter 10 and it's it's all talking about going into the land, occupying the land of Eretz Israel. Yes. So, Which quick tag on that, 
quick tag on that, if I may. Um, last week's tour portion by Ekanon and the Hasidic Insights, they say that entering into the land of Hashem is a euphemism for faith or belief. So, like, us entering into the land is, is a picture of having faith in Hashem. So. That's, that's a really good insight. Um, it just seems like, like that, that faith is what, what carries us. Like, I could, it, like, carries us into the land. Yes. Uh, it seems to be based on, you know, from, from what you're saying with that insight and what we just read, Hashem is telling them before they go and occupy this land that, hey, remember your source where you come from. Ooh. You know, rem- don't don't forget the source we come from. This land, it's a bountiful land. It's blessed. It's essentially I am watching over this land specifically, as opposed to all my team and my agents who are watching over other lands. I watch over this land, and wow. you know, just enjoin us to remember our source. Remember where we come from. Remember how we have this land to begin with. Is because we had honorable forefathers who adhered themselves to the will of Hashem and how we've attached ourselves to the Torah. That's that's why we have rightness. And that's just definitely to, to go on from what you're saying with the, the faith thing, it seems as though faith also has this aspect of having this recollection, this this thankfulness, this gratitude to Hashem for what he did with you in the past. Holding on to that in order for holding on to that uh, to know that he's true to his promises and that he will lead you into this, this spacious land where you're reunited with him on a, on a more even intimate and a more intimate relationship yes well i may so we're uh pretty much getting close to the end of our time the timer is about to go off but you know we really have gotten a wonderful opportunity to just see that what's at the core of us believing in hashem and keeping his mitzvot and it's living in the words that our shepherd has taught us which is pictured in Moshe here, but ultimately we know that Mashiach Yeshua showed us, and that's what we follow. So Baruch Hashem. And uh, I'm waiting for the timer. It should be going off any minute now. <laughs> it it kind of feels like we're like off to the race, you know, like, quick, go, go, yeah. go, go, go. There it is. All right. And that is our time. So I will say that. Go ahead. Sorry. You got you got something else? Oh, I, was, I was saying I, I I got one o'clock on my uh, my my clock. So okay, cool. Well, and uh, as our rabbi has taught us, what do we know? What do we know? Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Natan Lanu Torah Temet Vechaye Olam Nata Betochenu Baruch Ata Adonai Noten HaTorah. Amen. May we merit to see the return of Mashiach speedily and soon in our days. Chasis, Toda, for joining me. Are you there? Okay, he he's not there anymore. Okay, so Brukashim. So to the podcast, may you have a blessed week, a Shavuot Tov, and Shalom.